This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, good morning and welcome to Open for Business, the show that deep dives into the journeys and ventures of entrepreneurs and business leaders. Small but mighty, SMEs are a driving force in the Malaysian economy. According to the Stats Department, Malaysia's SME contribution to the country's GDP was around 38% back in 2018, a data point that was in line with data used by the World Bank that estimated that formal SMEs contributed up to 40% of national income in emerging economies. However, access to finance looks to be a key constraint for SMEs to grow. In fact, the World Bank noted that it was the second most cited obstacle facing SMEs to grow their businesses in emerging markets and developing countries. Enter Funding Societies, the largest SME digital financing platform here in Southeast Asia. Rooted in the belief that stronger SMEs lead to stronger societies, the platform has dispersed just under 13 billion ringgit across more than 5 million notes since its establishment in 2015. That's now nine years ago. The company operates in Indonesia under the Model Cool brand and is also present here in Malaysia, Singapore, Vietnam and Thailand. In 2023, funding societies marked several milestones, such as introducing their Islamic financing solutions to help expand their customer and funding base to their partnership with Credit Guarantee Corporation Malaysia that will provide eligible SMEs access to longer-term financing and preferential interest rates. Today, we speak to CEO Kelvin Theo and COO Wong Ka Meng, co-founders of Funding Societies, about what started them down this path, what it was like building this regional platform and what the vision ahead looks like for Funding Societies. Kelvin, Ka Meng, Happy New Year and welcome to the show. Happy New Year, Roshan. Thanks for having us. Happy New Year, Roshan. It is uh, hard to believe we've entered a new year now. It's 2024. 2023 seems to have flown by and it was a seemingly big year for you guys as well. Yes, I think it's been a really interesting year when we started really strong with a fundraise from SoftBank Vision Fund uh, in 2022, as well as the acquisition of Cardup, a payments fintech startup at the end of 2022. So entering 2023 strong, and then you have uh, Silicon Valley Bank with hikes <laughs> uh, so and so forth. So, but but we have we are really glad that we have we have uh, emerged stronger through the 2023. So dynamic year at least, huh? a lot of things going on there. And we're interested to see what 2024 has in store for you. But before we get into all that, let's take a look back. It's been now a nine-year, more or less a nine-year journey. Talk to us a little bit about what got you both into this business back in 2015. So I think when, when Raynaud and I started uh, Funding Societies in 2015, we were basically students at Harvard Business School. And um, we were very inspired by a talk by Peter Thiel. Um, which talks about there was a time when uh, most of the startups in Southeast Asia are very much copycats of the US uh, peers, right? And we thought that hey, uh, given that we were in a position of privilege, uh, going to such a such a great university and education, with it was upon us to bring back innovation to Southeast Asia. Hence, we started funding societies when we were still in school. So we basically did the. We, we posted job advertisements on startupjobsasia.com, which still is around, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Interviewed them uh, through Skype, and we basically work from 8 p.m. Boston time to 3 a.m. Boston time. So it's about 12 hours time difference. And we're very fortunate to raise our seed funding um, during our summer holidays, and, and, and Sequoia Capital came in upon our graduation. But we also knew that we need to be a regional platform from day one. Um, so that's why when we, when, with Reno and I, we, I'm Malaysian by, uh, by birth, uh, we've been working Singapore. So Singapore, Malaysia, and with Reynolds background in Indonesia, we can cover three countries. But we really needed local expertise as well, and that's where we brought in uh, coming. Uh, and 
let Cumming share about his uh, crazy journey accepting the <laughs> offer and, and, and growing in uh, the business. Yeah, I think, um, so I joined the uh, Calvin and Renault slightly later on, uh, first to build up the Malaysian business. So I uh, left my previous role uh, in management consulting based out of uh, Singapore, but really working across the region, uh, primarily focusing on the SME and retail banking space. So I saw the opportunity and when I met Calvin and Renault, I thought that uh, these guys were quite a bunch of nice of guys to spend the next couple of years with. So made the decision and then went back home. Right? So it was a combination of right place, right time, right industry and right team. Um, Calvin, uh, you mentioned that you uh, got your seed funding in the early days. Now, uh, your first round was a Singapore $10 million round led by Sequoia India, now known as Peak 15. Uh, Series B was $25 million led by SoftBank Ventures. And Series C, there were two, was a $144 million uh, round and it was a $150 million debt financing round. Yep. So a long way you've come. What was the seed round like? I think we were... At that time, I think bearing in mind that the whole startup ecosystem in Southeast Asia was very new um, and that we were very new founders as well. So uh, initially, we bootstrapped uh, Raynon. I put in some cash and we, we started a company. And I think the seed round funding was almost like an accident or surprise. So <laughs> uh, so when we first, there was a time when we first met our team in person uh, during summer holidays after they've been working with us for almost six months. Uh, so um, we were very fortunate that the team was suggesting that, hey, Kevin, you should probably pitch at a tech in Asia a pitching competition um, and we were fortunate to 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 win first during the competition itself in Singapore but none of the investors invested in us mm. because the whole model was so new um, in, in Southeast Asia and but was fortunate to to catch the attention of Alpha JWC um, one of the, the early uh, VC funds in Indonesia um, and we didn't know what was what was actually like a a proper pitch or, or investment deck per se. We just did what we our best in terms of explaining our business and we tried to Google search other materials online. And one meeting led to the other. And the last day before we, we flew back to the US, uh, they gave us a term sheet. And I still remember that we, we were discussing it and we finally signed at the back of a taxi uh, <laughs> because we were just all rushing and say, hey, let's, let's get it signed and we move to execute the business, right? So, so it's very fortunate that we were among the earlier players in the region. So the, the fact that we have some exposure in the US in terms of fintech market and some professional track record as both management consultants as well as a background in family business help us to actually kickstart the, uh, kick the fundraise and, and close it during summer holidays. Now, I think it comes with, to no surprise to most business owners and entrepreneurs that SME financing is a key constraint, right? It's a, there is a market there. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a reason why it hasn't been approached before this, right? Because a lot of times, traditionally, banks need concrete data points before they lend you money. Because this is a, if, if you get it wrong, you lose money. Um, since 2015, Funding Societies has dispersed 12.9 billion ringgit across 5 million notes. Looking back, talk to us a little bit about how uh, so problem was identified, I think, quite clearly. But how the market was tested to make sure that you had a solution that would work? Yeah, I think over the years, we've actually expanded the, the financial services prop proposition for micro and small businesses across the region. But when we first started, it was fairly simple. So it's um, starting with a lean team, trying to identify the kind of financing gaps that they're facing, like what are they using the funds for, what kind of financing amounts, and so on and so forth. I think we started with a small set of products before expanding it to many more that we have right now. So we started off with the, the most basic, which is the term financing proposition. So it's a certain amount 
now and you repay in installments. But then we realize that beyond that, they also need uh, financing for their payables, for their receivables, um, credit line, and beyond uh, financing as well. Uh, over time, we saw the the need for businesses to help manage the cash flows, uh, and which is the latest foray that we have in terms of um, expanding it into payments and the cash flow management platform for for micro and small businesses. And what did the MVP of all this look like? And what was the first version of this product? I think it was uh, fairly basic. Um, <laughs> so it was basically run out of Excel. Um, and then we were like, uh, run, uh, we were just like creating fact sheets, uh, like manually um, checking numbers, um, dotting, cr- crossing T's and dotting I's. I can still remember during the early days when uh, e-signatures were not really mainstream. Mm. So for the longest time, we were wondering whether or not our investor subscription agreements could be uh, uh, e-signed. Oh. So if you were early on investor, you actually had to uh, print out the document. There's probably like 20 pages there. And then you basically had to initiate every page back and forth um, and then uh, send it back to us. Wow. And then once we received it, then basically we activate your account. That's for the investor side. And this is, when you talk about investor side here, you're not talking about uh, funding societies raising money. This is the peer-to-peer side of things. The crowdfunding business. So if I wanted to invest my money and then you would then uh, uh, lend it to other people, other businesses, 20 pages back and forth initialed and signed. Yeah, correct. So we can only activate you uh, once we receive the documents from you. That is, I didn't know that. That We've come a long way since then. Um, And when did you know that there was product market fit? Where, do you remember that moment? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I think um, we were, so we started off in Singapore uh, and then Indonesia and Malaysia. So I think when we started off, we didn't, I think within the first three or six months, we already had some traction in terms of getting people to subscribe to the financing propositions. Um, and I think even early on, we managed to, um, so we managed to hit uh, profitability quite early on in um, some of the, the the, the countries that we're in. And I think that gave us the confidence to further expand the different financing propositions that we had and also expanding the team. All right, uh, Kelvin, coming, we've got to go into a few messages. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the need for balance between raising funds from investors and dispersing those funds and what goes into that, as well as how digital banks fit in this ecosystem uh, that and whether they're a opportunity or a threat. I've been speaking with the co-founders of Funding Societies, CEO Kelvin Theo and COO Wong Ka Ming. Funding Societies is the largest SME digital financing platform here in Southeast Asia. I'm Roshan Kainasen. You're listening to Open for Business. Keep be here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Because friends matter. BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kandison, and this morning I'm speaking with the co-founders of Funding Societies, CEO Kelvin Theo and CEO Wong Ka Meng. Funding Societies is the largest SME digital financing platform here in Southeast Asia. Gentlemen, earlier we talked a little about the origin of the story, right? The early days, uh, what went into the seed round, where this idea came from and how you tested the market. Um, the one thing I didn't ask get the opportunity to ask just yet was when you were building this out, talk to us a little bit about how it was, was it difficult to get buy-in? Because I can assume that uh, when you come up to people and say, oh, here's an alternative financing solution, um, may have 
taken a little bit of convincing. What was that process like? I think they were. It, they definitely took a lot of buy-in, both from <laughs> uh, lenders or investors, both from borrowers as well as uh, team members. Right. So uh, when we first started in 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 uh, Singapore, like when we talk about crowdfunding, it's really a crowd of two. <laughs> a few a handful of us um, finding most of the loans, right? And the loans at that time was small. But we were very fortunate that we were picked up by by the media very quickly. Um, and uh, it creates a bit of legitimacy and also uh, market awareness of how we work. And we're very conscious to not to, to, to protect this trust that's been bestowed to us, right? And therefore, we were very fortunate to be among the first to be licensed across the five countries that we're in now. I think from a borrower's side, it may it, at times were a bit were a bit easier uh, compared to, to to investors because they are the one receiving money. Uh, but at the end of the day, they are also uh, giving us information um, and some of that is published online despite being anonymous, right? So showing that we are credible uh, source of capital is also important. I think finally, it's a team part, right, that both convincing my parents and Reynolds' parents that hey, uh, and, and that uh, we are doing something that is meaningful. Uh, we are not just being jobless. Uh, and subsequently, uh, within eighteen months, bringing coming on board when we have not even received any license, uh, and and a path to to getting license was actually quite unclear. So really grateful about uh, that. How coming co-founder entire Malaysia business and subsequently brought the best practice across the region. I can't imagine what the conversation was like. <laughs> Here you are just finishing Harvard Business School or in Harvard Business School and like, okay, I'm going to build a business now and uh, it's not regulated just yet and we're going to see what we can do. That must have been quite an interesting experience as an Asian child. Yeah, it's, uh, so, so actually we started the company before we graduated. Um, so, so to an extent, uh, my parents did not have a chance to say no because I was still in school. Um, but I think the the fact that we raised uh, seed funding was helpful mm. um, in, in, in that. And I think most of my peers were, and even fa- family was expecting that, hey, probably they will not survive for two years because in, in MBA, mm. everyone runs a startup. Mm. Um, so... Uh, but we was very fortunate that uh, we were at the right place at the right time. We have a great team that uh, that right before graduation, we got a term shift from Sequoia Capital and, and we rode the wave to be to be the largest platform in the region. Now, uh, earlier coming, you were giving us a sense for the product mix as it stands, uh, the, what the early days were talking about, the MVP. Give us a sense for the full extent of the product mix as it stands today because I know last year you introduced an Islamic product as well. So I think we have um, two main arms. So one is the financing propositions and and the payments uh, proposition. So the financing proposition itself is basically, uh, we try to be a one-stop shop from a financing proposition perspective. So this would include sort of equal installment term financing um, loans uh, for micro and small businesses, as well as uh, receivables and payables financing. So let's say you have invoices and you want payment upfront, or if you some you need funds to uh, kickstart or mobilize a project, um, and you to buy inventory, for instance, as well as a credit line proposition. So I think we cover the entire gamut in terms of use cases uh, from a financing use case perspective. Uh, more recently, also we launched a corporate card proposition. Um, uh, out of Singapore, started in Singapore, but we will also be launching across different markets uh, this year. So that's the the financing uh, the, the financing vertical. Uh, there's also the payments vertical because we realize that besides the need for uh, working capital, I think businesses also requires uh, the necessary payments instruments in order to make uh, payments to their suppliers and so on and so forth, right? And also to receive and to make payments. 
Um, so that's something that we built on, uh, as what Kelvin was mentioning, um, back in 2022 uh, through the acquisition cut up. And we're trying to sort of combine these two propositions together for uh, the micro and small businesses across the region. A lot of these solutions, as you mentioned, are key pain points for businesses, SMEs, um, because a lot of times the world of business runs on credit and you need working capital and it can be quite difficult to get it. I've heard stories of entrepreneurs using credit cards as opposed to proper financing solutions because that's what was available to them. And this corporate card also is an interesting proposition given that it can be very difficult for businesses and SMEs uh, and startups to get the corporate card, which can be very, make a lot of things more convenient for them. And this was the acquisition, as you mentioned, of CardUp back in December 2022. Uh, and it's helping diversify the revenue new sources. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about whether there's a larger appetite for more uh, acquisitions ahead. Um, right now, though, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the key thing that differentiates, I guess, your business from that of a bank is that uh, banks can take deposits, which then they can lend out to uh, or provide financing with. You raise money from investors out there. Uh, talk to us about the balance needed between raising funds from investors and then dispersing those funds. So much as uh, we have evolved uh, the, the the financing proposition and the payments proposition to the micro and small businesses, we have also evolved uh, the funding machinery, like, uh, as you pointed out. So we started off uh, as a peer-to-peer financing platform, so mostly individuals. And then we started onboarding a f- number of institutions um, on the platform as well as platform investors. Um, this would be typically asset managers. Uh, within the region. And since then, we have also expanded towards uh, more balance sheet financing propositions. So basically, we borrow and we online and we earn the risk premiums in between whatever we charge um, the SMEs and what we have to pay on our debt facilities. So um, so, be, so moving from individual crowdfunding to institutional crowdfunding to now um, having institutional money, banks, credit funds, asset managers uh, being our, uh, our lenders. Who, who are the, as it stands today, uh, your funding sources, uh, are they mostly institutional today? Yep. The majority of it will be um, comprising of institutional funds. Um, so and balance sheet as well. Yep. So when we hear news of like, you know, funding societies has raised X million dollars in equity financing or when you raise a new debt facility, this goes towards then financing solutions for SMEs out there. Yes, correct. Ah, okay. So there's a clear evolution in terms of how you've built it. And it's almost proxy bank in a lot of ways, except there's uh, different regulatory environments for that. And uh, we'll talk about digital banks as well in a little bit. Um, The key thing, I guess, when you are taking on this money and then you're lending it is uh, whether you get the money back. And a key thing that uh, alternative financing solutions have been talking about is alternative data scoring. So talk to us a little bit about the default rate over at funding societies and uh, the credit model that you're using in order to achieve the, the, to ensure that that money isn't lost in these deals. Yeah. So overall, we have a default rate of 2% across the region. Um, I think in terms of, and you uh, correctly pointed out, so the, a big part of the business is really around risk management. So giving out uh, financing is obviously the, the easy part, right? But actually collecting it back <laughs> is the hard part, right? Um, so I think for us, there is a few sort of areas that we look at. So it's credit scoring being one of them, but besides credit scoring itself, it's also how you structure the products and basically how you manage the or ring fence the, the cash flows for repayments. So I think those are some of the other factors that we take into consideration also when we look at risk management as a whole. 
So I think just to do a bit of a double click in terms of credit scoring, I think going beyond the usual way of how banks look at it is typically they look at your financials and they look at whether you have collateral and so on and so forth. But I think for us, we focus a lot on um, data points that proxies cash flow. So, and this could be bank statements as being the most basic, but also we have partnerships. Um, this could be digital as well as offline partnerships that provides us um, alternative data sources to proxy cash flows. Um, the most pertinent example would be transaction information um, of, say, sales transaction through a um, e-commerce platform, for instance. So that gives us a good, good sense in terms of scale of the business. Um, obviously, it's only a snapshot. So we do have to, um, through our experience, working with multiple platforms and over time, get, um, be able to make a judgment around what is the size and, and the credit worthiness of a particular business. I think that's how we have sort of be able to iterate the, the credit scoring uh, by working with multiple partners as well as over time as well. So partnerships are a key uh, part of this business in terms of it's about information and then processing the information to essentially create insights and then whether you can lend that money, which has been typically uh, a constraint for traditional banks in the past. Uh, but then again, we're now seeing digital banks come into the fray, which is a conversation we're going to have after the news bulletin. Folks, I've been speaking with the co-founders of Funding Society, the largest SME digital financing platform here in Southeast Asia. That's CEO Kelvin Theo and CEO Wong Ka Meng. We'll be back after the 10.30am news bulletin. I'm Roshan Kanison. You're listening to Open for Business here on BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Birkins for Mama. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanison and this morning I'm speaking with the co-founders of Funding Societies, the largest SME digital financing platform here in Southeast Asia. That's CEO Kelvin Theo and CEO Wong Kam Meng. Uh, gentlemen, earlier we got into the um, the balance needed when you're raising funds from investors and dis dispersing those funds. And a key part of your journey has been how you've gone from raising from crowdsourcing to institutional investors to now on balance sheet items as well. You're raising money on your own balance sheet to then lend out. And we talked a little bit about alternative financing. And a key part of this journey of yours has been, as I mentioned earlier in the introduction, was this partnership with uh, CGC and CGC Digital. Talk to us a little bit about that because with that, we've got this SME portfolio guarantee uh, with CGC, but there's also uh, uh, the ability to provide SMEs with longer financing and also at preferred rates. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think the partnership with CGC and CGC Digital is truly uh, a, a remarkable one and pioneering in Malaysia and also across the region whereby we are actually allowing greater access to financing to many more um, of the underserved and unserved businesses in Malaysia by having this guarantee by CGC and also CGC Digital Guarantee, we're able to lower the cost of financing as well as have uh, providing longer tenant financing propositions uh, to micro and small businesses. So I think the, so there's two uh, partnerships um, uh, at play. So the partnership with uh, CGC is to provide uh, portfolio guarantees 
Um, and the partnership with CGC Digital is to actually explore uh, digital um, supply chain financing and providing uh, guarantees on the back of that. So innovating and creating new processes and uh, financing propositions and guarantee propositions with CGC Digital. Um, now, talking about lowering the cost of funds through this, a key, I guess, point of focus, I guess, for you guys is going to be the fact that digital banks are up and coming. And uh, WeLabs has acquired a bank in Indonesia, Bank Jasa, if I'm not mistaken. GXS Bank is up and running in Singapore. And uh, very recently, GX Bank here in Malaysia has started taking deposits. Now, GX Bank doesn't have, uh, is only focused on CASA at this point, doesn't have a lending facility. But given that digital lending continues to be a big and very lucrative space or potentially lucrative space, space here in Southeast Asia, um, digital banks are definitely going to want to get a piece of it. And given that they have a much lower cost of capital, this could be a, or is likely going to be a challenge for you. So how much of a concern are digital banks and their lower cost of capital? Actually, we're really excited about the entry of digital banks uh, in the region. Um, I think we have invested into a full bank in Indonesia called Bank Index, and we know how hard it is to run this business, mm. right? Uh, <laughs> and we uh, definitely do not want to be a bank uh, ourselves. But what we find is that uh, the entry of digital banks allows us to A, potentially partner for lower cost funding, but also B, extend the market education uh, in, in, in Southeast Asia that, hey, uh, getting digital financing is moving from alternative to mainstream. So so personally, we're really excited about it. And in fact, by partnering with some of the other banks, fintechs, or even in the future, digital banks, we have actually launched our own bank account proposition in Singapore with, with nearly a thousand uh, customers as we speak and having processed clo uh, close to 20 billion US dollars um, in, in the last six months. So personally, we think that the, there is definitely some competitive threat, but we find the corporation's much higher because of the various facet and as a lender you do not want to be the only one lending to SMEs as well you also want other lenders to co-support for the growth and for the benefit of the society so how do you look at that balance between uh, them coming in and I guess even more validating the market or, make, or growing the market versus the threat that they that they possibly bring here I think from an overall um between the competition situation, I think cooperation is meaningfully higher mm. because at the end of the day, the, why digital banks exist is really to serve uh, the underserved and unserved, right? So in a large way, we're really expanding the pie together. Um, and that we find that because a lot of these digital banks come from tech backgrounds, we it is actually quite... Uh, a lot easier for us to strike up collaborations um, at times actually uh, more so than, than traditional banks. So to that extent, while there may be some competitive threat, a lot of that, a lot of these digital banks are actually focusing more on the consumer space. So we see that in the next three, five years or so, uh, the collaboration opportunity is quite tremendous and we're actually really looking forward to for them to come online soon. In the longer run, could we see a strategic partnership kick in here? Because you talked a little bit about how you're working with one digital mm -hmm. bank. Um, and the cost of capital here is very attractive in that sense. Mm -hmm. Given that they're going to need to start lending money at some point, mm -hmm. um, and given that you have more experience in the space, mm -hmm. is a deep partnership with the digital bank something you're looking at? I think it's something that we definitely are open to exploring. Uh, because for us, we find that it's a win-win proposition, right? That you have lower cost funding, we can pass on the, that, that benefits to the customers, just as how our collaboration with CGC and CGC Digital achieves. But it's, and at the same time, we bring on the table our eight years, coming nine years of uh, credit underwriting experience as well as repayment uh, data, right? Because at the end of the day, a lot of these digital banks, uh, while strong in technology, do, would not have uh, the benefit of historical 
historical data for the last eight to nine years or so. So that is actually, if that actually puts us in a very complementary position, I think the key is really how can we build a certain level of trust and longer term collaboration together um, as, and, uh, as we speak in each of this market. Kelvin, earlier you mentioned that you have no aspirations to become a digital bank. Uh, what's the, I guess, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I think after the investment into Bank Index uh, in early 2022, um, and the whole vision is really to transform them into a digital bank, we find that what we want is to offer banking services. <laughs> well, we really don't want to be a bank. It's really hard. <laughs> and so kudos to the, to, the, to, the comp- to the players who have launched their digital banks, right? So what we want to do is actually to be able to offer a full suite banking or financial services product for SMEs to manage the cash flow. Um, so broadly speaking, we are looking at five key product lines, um, notably financing, including Sharia Financing that we've just launched in Malaysia, uh, cards uh, with a credit line, uh, payments capability collections, as well as bank accounts. And that's what we've all achieved in, in Singapore and we're steadily rolling out in Malaysia as, and Indonesia as we speak. Um, but to do that, we don't have to be a bank. We can have good quality bank partners. And, and that's where the digital banks, and even some traditional banks and fintechs come into play. Uh, coming, Kelvin, we've got to go into a uh, quick break. We'll be back. And when we come back, we'll talk about the business side of things, including revenue and funding ahead. I've been speaking with the co-founders of Funding Societies, CEO Kelvin Theo and COO Wong Ka Meng. Funding Societies is the largest SME digital financing platform here in Southeast Asia. I'm Roshan Kainasan. You've been listening to Open for Business. We'll be back in just a bit here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Brand-friendly marketeers, BFM 89.9. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan and this morning I've been speaking with the co-founders of Funding Societies, the largest SME digital financing platform here in Southeast Asia. That's CEO Kelvin Theo and COO Wong Kameng. Kelvin and Kameng, earlier, uh, uh, just before the break, we talked about uh, the digital banking situation, whether it poses a threat, opportunity, or whether it's generally quite neutral for you guys. And there is an opportunity element there to make them partners in the longer term. Now, let's talk a little bit about the business side of things. And uh, Funding Societies is by no means a small company anymore. Nine years in, uh, based on your FY 2022 numbers, uh, Funding Societies generated 37 million US dollars in revenue for that financial year. That was up 84% from the previous year. That's 2021. But while revenue grew, it was at a slower rate than 2021. Mm-hmm. Give us a sense as to why growth was slowing down and whether that continued to be the case last year in 2023. I think it's a combination of macro factors as well as a conscious strategic decision internally. I think last year we have seen how um, with the with the explosion of Credit Suisse and some of the US mm. banks, as well as the gradual uh, interest rate hike and the gradual slowdown uh, in a macro market, um, the need for the SMEs uh, or the willingness for SMEs to take on more debt to grow their business, um, as well as the credit risk have both gone up. So to that extent, there's macro, uh, external macro pressure. Less so in Southeast Asia, especially in Malaysia, um, but uh, I think more so globally, but there is still a, a spillover effect. And internally for us, our view is that we are here to build a long-term business, not a quick, not to make a quick buck. So we find that it is important for us to strategically support uh, quality businesses that are still growing and scaling at this point in time. Hence, we were a lot more stringent in terms of credit assessment for 2023. 
So, Kelvin, part of that reason was deliberate, part of it was due to macro. What are your expectations for this year? So we are really excited about 2024 because we see that from the macro perspective, things are moderating. Uh, of course, there, there could be still a lot of uncertainties in the horizon, but it is it has the clarity as well as the direction of the of the macro markets have definitely been moving in the right direction. And uh, not just globally, but also in Southeast Asia. I think internally as a company, um, as we have uh, conduct, complete as we complete our post-merger integration with Cardup, uh, which we acquired in December 2022, as well as our new markets like Thailand and Vietnam become um, gradually more mature. We're really excited about 2024 to grow not just from a financing perspective across the five markets in Southeast Asia, uh, but also uh, driving the growth of new new financing products uh, within the, the region, such as the whole Islamic financing proposition um, that we have launched uh, in Malaysia this year, and also non-financing propositions like payments cards, um, steadily country by country to help SMEs uh, to, to have a holistic cash flow management proposition across the region. Are you going to be looking like caught up? Are you going to be looking at more M and A to drive growth? I think M&A is always an option that we, we we keep in mind and it's something that we have trained and practiced since 2019 uh, with, with the investment into paper.id so and so forth uh, in the early days and of course we've divested after that. Uh, I think for us it's an option but at the same time it's not something that we take it lightly. We only focus on, on players that either gives us a new market, new capability or a team or license and I think so far we are taking a careful approach because we find that we have built also a very solid team um, that most of our growth currently actually is driven by organic rather than inorganic. Um, uh, what particular spaces beyond the financing vertical? Are you looking at any particular spaces because you mm-hmm. that could complement this space? I think the, the whole payments vertical is something that's interesting mm-hmm. to us. Hence, we acquired uh, Cardup for yeah. both the for their license, their product, their customers, as well as their team. Because we do find that it is not easy to move from financing to payments and vice versa. Uh, hence, we, we decided to go through the acquisition route. Having said that, I, we don't have to make multiple payments acquisition. We just need one <laughs> and then leveraging the capability um, uh, in payments as well as our footprint across the region we can steadily roll out in each of the countries and that's what's happening now. Great. I'm sure a lot of businesses are looking forward to seeing that roll down their respective countries. Now, while growth is great, um, the big story of the last year or so has been uh, whether companies are in the black or not. Uh, losses uh, for funding societies back in 2022, that full financial year, was around four, just under $43 million. There was an increase uh, of about 140%. This is losses before tax. Uh, that said, funding societies is expecting to become profitable in Q4 of this year, 2024. Uh, managing the balance between growth and profitability has been the key consideration for founders in the last 12 to 24 months. Uh, what can you tell us about the pathway to hitting this Q4 goal? I think there are a few elements to it, right? One is that I think for 2022, actually more than two-thirds of our losses are non-cash. More than two-thirds of our losses are non-cash. So so from a cash basis, actually the, the, the losses were materially lower. And, and a lot of this non-cash was because we gave we gave employees stock options and we closed the major rounds uh, with SoftBank Vision Fund. So everyone's shares are worth a lot more and therefore it does <laughs> impact our PL. So that's a bit of a life as a startup company. Um, but also we are fortunate that uh, quite a few of our countries are already profitable. In fact, we have paid quite a bit of income taxes to the Malaysian government in 2022 and, and 2023 as well. So for us, since 2018, we have been focusing on a dual path of growth and profitability after the, at the aftermath of WeWork and we are just steadily uh, working towards that. I think 2024 is looking a lot brighter for a few reasons that um, for mature markets that have been steadily profitable will continue to grow. 
especially on the back that uh, the cost of fund uh, is expected to drop uh, across 2024. And that has been one of the key cost driver for us um, in, in the recent times. It's also why there's more opportunity for us to collaborate with, with digital banks or even tra- traditional banks such as HSBC, uh, DBS, and of course, hopefully local bank. And the, ent- and the partnership with CGC and CGC Digital helps us to lower our cost of funds. So therefore, that would help us in our path to profitability. But also for new markets like Thailand and Vietnam, as we hit maturity, uh, we do expect expect them to turn to profit uh, turn profitable. And with the with our post merger integration, we've caught up becoming into a steady state. We start to see more and more synergies as more SMEs um, are look are coming to us for payments uh, proposition and vice versa. So the cross selling opportunity is increasing, and we do hope to launch our payments led lending proposition soon in twenty twenty four. So we, we are really excited about twenty twenty four as both external factors as well as internal factors mature towards profitability. So 2024, the year funding societies hits profitability. Yes. Now, you've raised a lot of money over the last uh, nine years now. Uh, series A round back in 2016. Uh, 2022, you raised $144 million in the Series C plus equity round, that time led by SoftBank Vision Fund 2. You had recent uh, debt rounds as well, $27 million led by Asia-focused private credit financier Altery Q Global, as well as very recently, $7 million in debt from Norfund, a development financial institution and owned by the Norwegian government. Um, give us a sense of, I guess, the funding strategy here and uh, how do you balance between equity and debt, raising debt financing? I think since 2015, our, the name of the game for us is, has always been evolutioned, both from a borrower side uh, in terms of product financing product proposition to non-financing product proposition. Similarly, when it comes to uh, the funding end, we have also been actively involved from uh, from being a peer-to-peer financing platform to uh, bringing on t- uh, on balance sheet lenders to institutions to eventually loan channeling. And a goal for us to actually securitize our loans in 2024, hopefully 2020, if not 2025. So the name of the game is really diversification and not just by the mode of funding, but also by countries. So, so in particular, Malaysia, we've actively stepped up the game that is uh, in terms of funding. And I'll pass on to coming to elaborate more. Yeah, I think as much as we... So I think uh, we try to manage the concentration risk from both the SME lending financing side of things, but at the same time also trying to manage the concentration on the funding side of things. So not just trying to diversify across the different lenders that we have, but also the different um, funding machinery or funding types. So crowdfunding is still a core part of the business, for instance, in Malaysia. Uh, but at the same time also we are bidding on all the other institutional um, money, uh, debt funding that we are trying to get across the region. Is there a strategy between how much debt you raise to how much capital uh, equity uh, financing you raise? So actually, the majority of the funds that we raise these days from an equity perspective is actually not so much for working capital purposes, right? But it's more for uh, our debt uh, for, for our debt uh, financing purposes, whereby the debt facilities that we get typically from uh, financial institutions come with certain level of financial covenants that requires a certain level of equity. Right. Okay. So it's essentially like a parallel to a uh, capital ratio that a bank needs to maintain in order to continue to lend down, uh, but slightly yes. different here. This is the, based Similar. on the the lenders uh, that you're looking at. They they need a certain level of, I guess, security. Yes. Yeah. So I think we we uh, discuss and we impose a capital adequacy ratio that we aim for, both because we think that is uh, important as for financial prudence as a company, but also it provides comfort for lenders. And so why we were very fortunate to receive funding support from both local as well as international financial institutions, both uh, government-backed impact funds as well as credit funds and, and traditional banks. 
Speaking of, uh, there were rumours, of course, that Kazana, uh, through its Dana Impact, was looking at you guys as well. I know I'm not going to get any uh, any uh, confirmation or denial at this point, but let's talk a little bit about the whether you how you, you're obviously going to be looking to raise more funds going forward. Um, but I guess what does the next stage for funding societies look like, and uh, how much money do you need to raise to get you there? So I think from a from a strategic perspective, we are always speaking to both equity as well as debt uh, debt lenders. Because at the end of the day, we are in a uh, in a risk management with a capital markets business, so it's very important for us to keep abreast. And as and when there are like minded uh, investors, both from the debt and equities, I will be keen to have them on board. Um, and given of our five countries, uh, Malaysia is our second largest country, uh, has been a consistently top performing country for us. We have uh, we would. Uh, it is. It serves our interest and candidly also Malaysia's interest for us to find more local strategic uh, partners as well as investors uh, to, to help us to accelerate our growth. So I think for us looking forward, given that our cash burn is is is, is on the lower end of the of, of of many startups in Southeast Asia and we're paying quite a bit of taxes, especially in <laughs> Malaysia. I think for us the path towards uh, further fundraise is less. T- less on what we need for working capital but really how can we grow our business to the next level because the more that we raise that we use to online to SMEs um, the more we would need to to have certain level of equity capital adequacy ratio and that applies even for off-balance sheet lending in Malaysia as well um, because we find them to be complementary and that at the end of the day if we tell crowdfunding in, uh, investors that we are we are cap- we are capitalized more than 200 plus 250 million 300 million US dollars that always gives comfort for mm. investors to to, to, to use our platform as well. So we find that it's at the end of the day, how can we build a long-term sustainable business that can move um, SME digital financing from alternative option to a mainstream option for SMEs in Southeast Asia in complement with traditional banks. To wrap up this conversation, uh, you've been on this journey now for nine years. Um, talk to us a little bit about the, I guess, what do you see as the most likely as exit for this kind of business uh, or this business? I think as as a as a founding team, coming uh, uh, Reno and myself, we do not think about exit actively um, because for us the focus is to build a quality business, a business that will outlast our one lifetime, that will make a mark uh, in Southeast Asia's. Um, so so it's not something that is always on our mind. But having said that, being a responsible stewards of capital that we have received um, is something that uh, investors do do raise up as a discussion topic every now and then. And I think that for us, of course, the first choice is always to to have a to become a listed company um, so that we can continue this mission and vision to uh, in a long term and also of course, of course contribute to the, to the overall region uh, in an impactful way uh, but we also rec- we also recognize that listing a company is not a in, in, it's not an easy journey um, so we do speak to some strategics um, both within Southeast Asia or East Asia Korea Japan and in China um, on, on for to, to seek out like-minded uh, uh, players, uh, starting as collaboration, maybe investment, and eventually if there's a good fit, uh, combining our entities together. But our focus is always to build a quality business that make an impact in Southeast Asia. Hence, we, are called, we call ourselves funding societies. And when we talk about these strategics here, uh, they uh, I think you mentioned that they're similar businesses as well. So we're talking about much larger players who may want to expand into the region if if and m a was the route forward. So uh, it may or may not be within similar business lines. Uh, I think the key is that 
uh, one plus one must, should be more than two for sure. And that there should be like-minded uh, like uh, nurse in terms of similarity in consistency in terms of culture and values, right? Because for us, at the end of the day, we are not here to make a, just, just to make a buck and, and, and sell and move on if, if, if we, do, or we do not successfully IPO, right? But really, really to make an impact in Southeast Asia. So anyone that we work with should share the same mindset and focus um, uh, in, in helping SMEs to grow in Southeast Asia. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with the both of you. I can't think of a better way to have started Open for Business this year here in 2024. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot, Roshan. Thanks, Roshan. I've been speaking with the co-founders of Funding Societies, CEO Kelvin Theo and COO Wong Ka Meng. Funding Societies is the largest SME digital financing platform here in Southeast Asia. I'm Roshan Kinnison. You've been listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBerlay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.